Hey there, welcome to ATL and 29 of Peach Hoops podcast, where we look at the NBA from the starting point of Atlanta. My name is Kevin Chenard. I'm here with Glenn Willis. We're recording on a Sunday night after the Hawks lost to, who did they lose to? I'm drawing a blank. The Charlotte, the Charlotte, the memorable Charlotte Hornets. Kelly Uber. How dare I forget Nick Richards? (laughs) Nick, Nick, yeah, that's, that's, uh, yeah, that's. We'll have to give you a pass only because it's still the first week of the season, I guess, sort of. So yeah, we're we're still we're still getting the rest up ourselves, so that's okay. So so, what did you think of the game versus Charlotte tonight? What, what were the main takeaways? Uh, uh, I mean, that's a disappointing loss. I mean, considering I, I mean, so going into the game, a few things I thought. One is that despite the fact that Nick Richards is pretty good at basketball, we we might talk about him a little later, but Charlotte really has below average rim protection. So I thought the Hawks would get a, a lot of points at the rim. I think they got 52, which is a good number. Um, but it wasn't like a lot to Clint and Anyeka on, you know, pick and roll kind of created points there and things like that. So, um, but I mean, the main thing was that, I mean, Charlotte sort of played with no real point guard the whole, the whole game, you know, and I thought, wow, they'll get a million turnovers in this game. They should, be able to pressure the ball. Um, but it just didn't it just didn't happen. Charlotte was the aggressor, I thought, the whole 48 minutes and kind of had the Hawks on their heels. Um uh, is it the first, what was it like six or seven minutes before Trey picked up his third foul was it was a different game. I, I felt like there were <laughs> kind of two because he was, I mean, before that he was getting anywhere he wanted to get. He was dominating the game. Charlotte could not do anything with him. And then he gets that third foul. And then from that point in time, it's like the Hawks never found another offensive formula that gave them anything consistently. Uh, Then you feel like you're still going to have a chance to win against Charlotte because you should be able to create turnovers. And and, they they got 54 fast break points in the first two games combined. I think today they only had seven, I think. So, you know, so the the things that you thought the Hawks would capitalize on, they did not at all. Um, I think think the Hawks starters were like four for 25 from three, I think something like that. And uh, I mean, Charlotte was, Charlotte made a lot of tough shots, you know, but they, but they made them. So you get kind of give them credit. So, I mean, it's a game where, you know, every team is going to have what five games a year that just goes differently than you expect, goes to a different script than you expect. I don't know that I want to call this one of those because I felt like the Hawks had opportunities um, to kind of match the intensity and energy that Charlotte brought and the Hawks just, weren't able to do that. Like like in games one and two, the second unit, you know, brought reliable energy. Today they had like absolutely nothing, you know, uh today. So was it the early start? Was it first, you know, you know, this was their first home game, right? No, no, this is their last home no, game. Last home game. Sorry. But the, yeah, that's what I meant to say. So is it getaway that I mean, yeah, I I don't know, but they I felt like they didn't match your energy. They match their intensity. It was a very physical game, and the Hawks seemed uncomfortable with how much physicality Charlotte brought into the game. Phew, it was a little bit messy from an officiating standpoint, but the bottom line is the Hawks, I mean, the Charlotte took it to the Hawks or the aggressor. I think, let's say, the last 45 minutes of the game or whatever it was after the Hawks had that good start. Right. And the Hawks never, the Hawks never took any sort of control back after that first, say, six minutes or so. One interesting byproduct of the Trey getting three fouls and having to leave early is that 
not only does it disrupt Trey's rhythm or just the overall Hawks rhythm, but you're changing the rotation at that point. And so we ended up with a lineup. I think it was DeJounte, Aaron, Justin, Jalen Johnson, and Clint Capella. Uh, that's That lineup can work, but they've really got just one path to success. Like that, that lineup has to be gangbusters on defense for it to work. Right. They're they're not just going to go back and forth. They can't be like a low energy group. Like they've they've got to be on point. They've got to be disruptive on defense. And if if they are that, then then you might have a chance. But that's that's not a great lineup because you just worry about you know how do you get enough spacing? How do you get enough shooting? Uh, and so you know you can look at the flip side, which is defense, where they should be good, but. You know, it's the NBA is going to have some some teams are just going to score. And and at that point, the Hawks weren't really scoring well with that lineup. That's that lineup can be a little bit problematic. And it just seems like, you know, you could just get uh, a glimpse at what might be one of the sore spots for the Hawks this season. Yeah, agreed. And, you know, a part of that is can they do well enough to let Jalen get the reps he needs to get to kind of get a little more comfortable. You know, we've talked a lot about the fact that the role he has now is so different from what he did in college park last year. Um, And that's hard. That's hard on him. And the, the challenges that come from the other players in that lineup, you know, kind of put a lot of pressure on a young guy, you know, in the, what typically what you're looking for a little bit of stretchiness at the four, like JC provides, you know, when he's not needed to kind of function the rim with the centers, the Hawks play and stuff like that. So, I feel like the group needs time. You know, Aaron Holiday can is can shoot the basketball, but when he's needed to create, uh, you know, off offense, get in, get them into their offense and things like that. I think I feel like he's one of those guys that's going to detract from his shooting a little bit because he's going to be you know have that kind of burden, have that responsibility of getting them into their stuff. And uh, you know, so I, I feel like the group needs some time. And hopefully the Hawks play well enough in other phases, and hopefully their their, their starting unit, which has been mostly good in these three games, um, can kind of give them enough punch that 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 group has some time. But you know, I, I know that everyone thinks to get Bogey back that will help a ton. You know, um, but but I agree with you. The defense is going to have to really be key, and that that's part of me is like, oh, Jalen. Jalen's not there on defense. You know, Jalen could be the weak link on, on defense for that group too for for a while. You know, so it's going to be interesting to see how they how they manage that. Yeah, I haven't gotten to. I I saw some of the second quarter, and I really want to review the third quarter, and I haven't yet. So I feel a little uneasy trying to make general conclusions here. Yeah, I don't know which way I want to go. I mean. First of all, just like until Bogey gets back, and, and maybe it'll be different with, with Bogey around, but this doesn't feel like an optimal path for Jalen to get to success. It seems like they've almost, you know what I mean? It's just, you know that one of one of, one of Trey or DeJounte is supposed to be on the court at all times kind of running the show. So right. that's that's, you know, sort of step one against him. And then you just look at the other players at the two and the three out there with him. And, you know, if you have a bogey or, if you know, if you had had a Kevin Herter, then you're in a better space. But, you know, if you don't, that that's kind of a tough role for him. And and I 
I I think like I think it could kind of work defensively. Like I think he just needs reps. But uh, I don't know. I have to see. Yeah, the... yeah. Ideally for me, Jalen fits playing with Aaron and Justin and Dejounte because that group should be able to create turnovers. And you get Jalen the transition, and that's where he's really helpful. You know, right. switching into the court fast, his athleticism, and all of that, and and that's really what I think the second unit needs to feature is turning the opponent over, getting out and pushing the ball, and, and getting you know points um, more in transition or or semi transition more For than sure. in full on half court, and so they're gonna that group is gonna have to help their you know second year player by by you know forcing. Uh, that and creating those opportunities for him. Otherwise, if it's static half court offense, static half court defense, it's just going to be harder for Jalen. You know, he's got to, he needs to get there eventually, but in terms of kind of giving him some positive reinforcement and, and some good feedback loops early on, it's, they're really going to need to kind of focus on how that group can turn people over. And Chicago could c- contribute to that as well, um, you know, you know, too. So, but I feel like that's the key. But tr- yeah, Trey going out, the Jante coming back in through everything kind of offline, you have groups that weren't used to not used to kind of playing together. And then you add to the fact that JC was 0 for 7 from the three-point line. Hunter had easily his worst shooting game, you know, so far. It, it's today was one of those games that had they shot the ball better, they probably get Charlotte on their heels at some point. Right. And then you have an opportunity to kind of then go back to being the aggressor, but they they just didn't didn't, you know, good teams when the rest is not clicking We'll find a way to make enough shots to kind of stay in range, and then they'll find an opportunity to kind of grab control back. And that that's a weakness, you know, of the team this year. It's just not there's not as so much shooting packed into this roster that showed up today. That I think made it harder for them to uh kind of do find a a path to staying uh and keeping the game competitive, not letting Charlotte get away from them. Um, but th- that's the way that games can go down this path for this team this year especially if they're not matching the defensive intensity. I mean, I, I know fans probably, and I heard some people on Twitter that, that they thought it was a poorly officiated game. It was a, I would say, odd, kind of oddly officiated game. There were a few, like, obvious misses, like the the miss goaltending call, um, you know. <laughs> and, and and then every time, uh, you know, JC and Hunter were trying to establish themselves in the post on offense, like Charlotte was super physical, like really, really physical with them, and not a single call there. Well, can I point at one and say there's an obvious call that was missed? My view is like, well, if that's the way they're calling it, you've got to have to adjust on both ends of the court. But the the way that the game was officiated, I think, um, yeah, they were kind of letting Hayward on the other end. Like if they if they wanted to call it that one way on that one end, then like, you know, Hayward was oddly trying to plow his way through. DeAndre Hunter uh, right. to mixed bag of success, but uh, not not all that successful except when he got bailed out on a couple of calls. And it's like, really? That 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 seems strange. But yeah, that's yeah, it, really it was one of those things there. where I mean, I mean, you talk you bring you talk about this in the postseason, especially, but it's one of those where off the ball they let almost anything go, right. and on the ball they were pretty pretty tight for the most part. Except that's like, true, you yeah. know, Trey Trey got hit a couple times when he didn't get a call. That's going to happen. You know, I mean. I mean, refs are, if the refs bat, you know, if they get 80% right, that's pretty good for, for the NBA. Yeah, they're, they're just maybe 90% is the right number, whatever it is, right? But yeah. but you talk about Hayward, like, going at Hunter, which with mixed results, except that that was reflective of 
Charlotte's entire kind of attitude in this game was like, we're going to come at you and and we're going to relentlessly come at you. We're not going to stop. And we're going to be physical with you. If they don't call fouls, we're just going to be more physical with you. I mean, JT Thor was like throwing JC around down on, <laughs> on you know, when JC was trying to right. establish the post. And that's true. Yeah. And so it was a, I would say it's a kind of a weird game. And early Sunday games are always just kind of weird. But the big takeaway is Charlotte was the aggressor. Um, Charlotte was more physical. The Hawks seemed uncomfortable with that. And I would, and as I mentioned, if the Hawks, had the kind of roster that could kind of use their shooting to keep them in games. I think the Hawks could have got back to a point where they felt like they were going to step back into that aggressor role. And so this team is really going to have to navigate games like they had today with their defense. And if you want to say it's a combination of, of not matching the defensive intensity and this Charlotte shooting over their baseline, that it probably was some parts of both of that. But when they get into a game like this, the Hawks are going to have to win with their defense. When the offense is a click, like teams that are going to chase 50 wins are going to have game, have to have a path within a game where the offense is just not clicking the way they wanted to, and they lean on their defense to get that win. And this this Hawks team's going to have to figure that out if they if they want to have a shot at something like a 50 win season, in my opinion. There you go. Uh, I I thought. You know, you you mentioned John Collins' shooting earlier. Like, I thought John played a great game. <laughs> like, you look at the over seven from three, and you're like, oh well, you know, and he had an off shooting, I suppose, but like, he was he was kind of everywhere on defense, being an active helper, and his his threes, I thought, were were well chosen, well taken. They were Absolutely. coming within the flow of the offense. So, I mean, you just. You just shoot through it, like keep going. Like <laughs> I, I thought he played a really good game. And and some of the threes, like there was one, and I kind of get it, but it was like, you know, Trey and Clint were in the main action. They were getting down into the paint. Trey was looking, looking, looking for something. But what really was there was that John was just open, wide, completely 100% open behind him. And he eventually did pass it to John. John got a great shot, squared up nicely, the whole thing. But like, I almost feel like if he gets that a beat earlier, I, I get why you want to keep being relentless at the rim, but on that particular play, I just think a little bit earlier recognition helps him make that shot a little bit better. You Sometimes when you wait a little too long, it, it's harder to make the shot because you're anticipating it being there at a certain moment, and then it isn't. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And, I'm, and that, he was at the top of the key right, right behind yep. Trey, right? And on that play you're talking about, yeah. I mean, the other part is that, like, Trey's had such slow starts scoring wise the first two games and then today it was like clicking for him right off the bat and so trey was probably wanting to like lean into that you know oh you know and i mean honestly like four minutes in the game i thought trey's gonna have like 30 and 15 or something i mean he was doing whatever he wanted and when he went to the bench like it just it just completely changed so you know i mean the other thing is i I don't i haven't heard any post games so i don't know if this got raised at all but that long stretch of Congo played in the first quarter today was different. Um, did you know, did anything come up in, in post game, no. or did you, or did you have a view so. on like? No. Why you I mean, the only thing I, I asked Nate, I'm actually going to put this audio at the end, but like hmm. before the game, this is yesterday, so Saturday morning. You know, I asked Nate if he had been, you know, trying to lean on Trey with Clint, trying to keep them together a little bit extra in the games that Trey was 
getting off to slow starts and he's like yeah absolutely or yes mm-hmm. maybe it wasn't yes absolutely maybe it was just yes uh, you'll, you'll get to hear it and see if i'm lying or not but it was a pretty confident answer of yeah when, when that happens i want to lean on you know that familiar pairing for trey yeah yeah it was just interesting i i was curious and you can maybe tell me what you think but today like Plumlee doesn't go near the rim. Like he doesn't. He doesn't pose. Like he they they play five out when Plumlee's on the court, right? Right. And Richards functions a lot more at the rim. So I right. thought that Nate might be thinking like, well, I'll use a Kongu when Plumlee's on because I, right. I want you know, and I'll use Clint, who's a stronger presence at the rim when Richards is on. Yeah. And so I thought he may have kind of kind of switched up. And I, I mean, I I don't know if like Trey's foul trouble kind of kind of mucked with how he wanted to manage the center yeah, rotation. it's now, hard the, to judge with that. Although Kongu went on before Trey got into his foul trouble. Um, but I, I just wonder if, like, it was one of those things like, okay, Plumlee's not doesn't play inside drum, so I'm going to match Kongu's minutes with him. Richards does more work at the rim, so I'm going to try to match more Clint's minutes with him. So that you can see that being the case against teams that play, like, real five out first unit and go play a little bit more four out second unit that Nate might want to flip that, you know. I was just curious if that might be what what happened today. I guess we'll have to see other examples of of teams that have two differently profiled centers. Kind of see if that might be what they continue to do. Yep. Uh, other takeaways? Anything lingering stuff? We never really got to talk about the uh, Orlando Magic game. Or uh, anything else you want to talk about? Really, Any, everything's fair game, Glenn. Go for it. <laughs> well, I mean, the, the Orlando game was kind of a little bit more of the same. They really leaned on JC and Hunter again, you know, and and that was good stuff and turnovers and fast break. And I mean, that's going to be the formula that lets them hit hit their best mark. I think all season long is turning the team over, getting, you know, 15 to 25 points in the fast break, takes the pressure off the shooting. Um, you know, obviously, like against Charlotte, when you're playing from behind, you feel more pressure on every single shot the later the game gets, and and so those those points you create in transition, you know, are 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 critical. And um, and so for me, it's like you know, I'm still encouraged by this start. Generally, I think this was the first time they faced kind of more of a veteran group than the first two games. Uh, and Steve Clifford is a really good coach and he's going to, you know, challenge his guys, you know, he's a, a, a coach is going to challenge a veteran group differently than a coach is going to challenge a young group, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and I, I just think that the Hawks saw a different level of intensity today than they did in the first two games, a different level of kind of sustained focus on what the game plan is and attacking in the intentional way that they were designed to that the Rockets and the magic are going to have a hard time doing because the guys are so young and they're kind of, doing what young guys do and kind of be all over the place. So, um, I mean, one loss is never, in my mind, never really should be that big of a deal. But, right. you know, two and one, two, back-to-back games coming up in Detroit, you know, winnable games in both cases. So um, I think I think it's just a matter of like, okay, why did we not match the energy? Why did we not match the intensity? And what was that about? Were we were we thrown off because, our, because of the foul trouble and – our because our rotation got a plan and like that's that's not going to be good enough. It's it's fine to say okay we lost a day, uh, a game we feel like we should have won. We didn't achieve the objectives that we felt like we should be able to turn them over, put you know apply ball pressure on defense, et cetera, et cetera. So long as your takeaway is 
that can't happen again. Like we can't lose because we're not matching defensive intensity. We can't lose because we're not managing energy. We can't lose because foul trouble took us off our normal rotation script. We've got to figure that. We got to problem solve real time in the game. And that that's what never happened today after the first half of the first quarter. So to me, it's, I mean, from like kind of leading my coaching background, it's like, okay, what can we learn? How do we fix it? How do we prepare ourselves mentally when we get back in the situation again to recover our performance and find a path uh, and go back to being the aggressor. And we'll see if that's, this turns out to be kind of a one game thing in that way, or if this shows up now and then across the season. So um, yeah, that's impossible to know whether it's an aberration or not, or uh, aberration might be too specific of a word might uh, an outlier of sorts, you know, or if we're going to kind of see this second unit, um, struggle kind of show up now and then if they're not turning the opponent over and, and kind of creating points in transition. So we so still see. Let me ask you this. Do you like that move of taking Trey out with three fouls there? I mean, like if it's Clint, okay, I get it. You take him out because he's a big guy. He gets fouls. Teams can kind of go at him at that point. Like, does it matter as much for Trey? Can Can you risk getting the fourth foul there? I think if it's in the second quarter, you leave him in the first quarter, 3000, the first quarter, he's got to go to the bench. You know, I, I mean, I mean, he averaged 1.7 fouls a game last year. Like that's yeah. And I, and I heard this on Twitter, like for hours after the game was over. And it's, really? me, I All I saw was AJ Griffin stuff. And I'll ask you about that shortly, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, in my mind, 3000 first quarter, you know, if, if he gets, if he gets the fourth, you know, I mean, you really are scrapping your second half plan, you know. So, I mean, I'm not saying I, mean, I don't. Also, I want yeah, to clear. Okay. I'm not. I'm not saying it was the obvious thing. Right. I just. I'm. I'm saying it's a reasonable thing to me. Yeah, that's fair. No, I mean, I. I think that's reasonable too. But I think it's. I think it's a more reasonable question there than it would be with most players, just because he's not. You know. We we know what the defense is like to begin with. He's he's not getting the premier matchup defensively. Uh, yeah. You know he's yeah, and maybe maybe the middle path is take him off when he gets his third foul, but put him back in to start the second quarter instead of waiting right till kind of the normal time to put him back in. So maybe there's yeah, opportunity. See, I, I think that I think that might be I, th- I think that might be a better tack. Yeah, for sure. I th- I I think that works a little better. Keeps him in rhythm a little bit longer. That's a long time to sit. Yeah, agreed. And I mean, and Charlotte looked like when Trey was off, you know, that they were really, really confident in what they were doing on defense when Trey was off. So, as a coach, I'm, I mean, should could we say hey, Nate should have seen that and said, "Okay, I got to get Trey back on," you know? Or is Nate like, "No, Dejounte's got Dejounte's got to figure this out," you know? Um, Dejounte was I think, not seeking his shot as much, but. I mean, Charlotte was really prioritizing keeping guys out of the middle, keeping ball handlers out of the middle, which is where DeJounte eats, you know. Um, and so, like I said, I think there's a lot to, like, if they're going to be a mature team and handle adversity constructively and kind of learn from it and grow from it, there's a there's a lot of stuff to take from this one today. I don't, I, I'm not going to reshape my expectations for the next game much less the rest of the season around that i want to see how they how they handle this that that was a game they should have won i want to be clear about that there were aspects of the game that they can control energy defensive effort intensity focus uh etc that they didn't um but that happens to every team right 
I think the, the season. So I think it was in the stretch where he was subbing for Trey. Maybe there was one of them that was a little bit earlier. Maybe one was a little bit later. But there were like three Dejounte turnovers that were just not good passes. Like mm-hmm. you just putting the ball in the wrong in the wrong spot or making the wrong read. Like he was just putting it out there, and that 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 was a big factor. Like they they could have had a, a first half lead if if he recoils back on maybe two out of the three yeah he, so, he had I mean, you know just what, a little bit more time i mean it's brand new it's like today was a different situation because the rotation got rejiggered but that that was a big one yeah but even if you go back to the end of game i don't i don't know if fans noticed but he had seven turnovers yeah in the game so he's and, been and then, pretty... and the first half ones were, were i thought were particularly just backbreaking agreed yeah, and it and it kind of fed Charlotte's confidence that you know when Charlotte was like, "Oh, we're turning you over," they're like, "We're going to keep bringing it. We're going to keep bringing it." And I and I think it was a a cycle that continued over time to favor Charlotte today and made it hard for the Hawks to kind of kind of get that back. So yeah, I, you know, does Dejounte just getting used to teammates being where they're supposed to be, or you know, what is that about? Or you know, I'm not sure. We're just have to kind of kind of watch and see, but. Even a, in a good performance overall, I mean, he he's been creating havoc on defense. He's been creating a lot of turnovers himself, and yeah. so he's been, you know, for yeah. games one and two, he offset every bit and then some, you know. Yeah. But still, in any game, seventh turnovers is a ton. That's you know? right. Um, so it's something to keep an eye on for sure. Uh, I made a mistake. Okay. I try to do a fairly good job annotating the post game press conferences, but. One of my tweets was just uh, putting up Nate's response when he was asked about AJ Griffin. And to summarize my replies, they were Nate's not fit to coach the College Park Skyhawks. AJ should be playing 44 minutes a game. Um, <laughs> so I would like to retract my tweet. Uh, but he. AJ's not the solution to everything that the Hawks need, but he's the solution to one of the things that they need. And like, I don't know. Uh, I'll just ask you, what were your takeaways from from AJ's presence in this game? I mean, he's it's it's amazing how quickly he he finds the offensive footing. I mean, I was surprised in the preseason, and today he was in the right spot. He knocked down his first but that was his first career shot. I think he took that three-pointer you know, at the right three-point break. Yeah. Uh, and then a few few possessions later, he attacked on a drive and finished. That surprised me. You know, that it was Yeah, like, and that, that was his – I don't know if it was – if they credited it to him, but that was his deflection that was the turnover that led to it. Right, yeah. He uh, kind of dug in from behind after his guy mm-hmm. got past him, right? Yeah. And so he, he – I mean – in. So let's contrast him for a second to Jalen, and I, I really want to be careful not to not to do this every time we talk about a game. It's a, a AJ versus Jalen, but there is there's something to kind of well, there's like a fit a measure- issue, like yeah, I mean, and, it's, and, it's, and, it's, and it's a measuring stick. They're the two young guys that are like Jalen's in the rotation. AJ's trying to get in the rotation, right? Yeah, like uh, you know, I mentioned earlier that you know Jalen's having some issues on defense. Issue number one is that guys are driving right past him, and, he, and he's not. Back, you know, he's not backpedaling. He's not. I, I don't know what that issue is, but like hmm. three times, at least three times already. I know three of three times could be, in a, you know, more than that. But jump 
in my own mind just talking with you in this game or, or in the season in the season okay but one today guys are just I absolutely just driving right past him well today I I forgot who it was that was it uh Ubre that AJ cut the turnover I can't remember who it was but but like when when Jalen's guy goes past him right Jalen's not sure how to impact the play after that right today right. you know AJ's guy got past him so he did a rip from behind you know mm-hmm. and got and 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 got the deflection of the turnover so yeah that's just it's just that's just interesting <clears throat> to me AJ is going to have trouble keeping guys in front of him too um I I can't I don't I can't imagine it's gonna look as bad as this look with Jalen. I mean, maybe it's just something that's easy to fix. Like Jalen, you know, get the stance. We worked on this, we talked about this, get the stance, you know. Uh, you know, there's a lot uh Jalen's having to deal with right now. So these are his first three games in an NBA rotation ever. So you know what you want to understand that and right. and stuff. And I and I still I'm rooting for him to do well and I, I believe he can help this team if if they can And he got in a um, stance in the preseason. Like there there were times that he, did. he was he did, but what's happening in these three games, I think, is I think already opposing teams are noticing. They're like, "Oh, we're gonna we're gonna find a way to get our our matchup on him, and then we're gonna go at him." And you know, even though he's the ninth guy in the rotation, probably whatever number we want to use, that stuff's still making the scouting reports already. It's like when you have him on the wing, just drive right past him, you know. And and if if he's playing the four and our four doesn't drive, we're going to force a switch or, or force a rotation or something like that, and then we're going to attack him, you know. But like like I said, you know, three games. I don't I don't want to declare that a, a flaw that's going to be stuck, you know, right. that's going to be stuck with, you know. But 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 we'll see. So, but I definitely think until Bogey's back, there are going to be some games where AJ's shooting could be of use. Does, does that mean he should be playing twenty minutes? Probably not, but could he give them four to five minutes a night? Let's say today, Aaron had a horrible game, right? And and they finally yeah. did. I did actually they, didn't. He, I think Aaron like missed something, and that was the trigger that brought AJ in, wasn't it? Like I thought Aaron missed yeah. the rotation right before the timeout, right before AJ came in. Yeah, and I thought Aaron, that was the... and a few and a few possessions before that. Aaron gambled and missed on a play. Okay, you know, so that factored into. And I thought that's why I got AJ in. And, I, and AJ, even though it was brief and it wasn't enough of an impact, I thought he kind of had an impact. That's when the Hawks yeah. kind of got it back to from 20 to 15. It feels like it was right about then, you know, in that time frame. Um, I have to confess, I, I had to go get my uh, COVID booster and flu shot. I, I, so I was watching the uh, fourth quarter on my phone when I was getting jabbed, you know. So, oh, wow. Um, but I came back and rewatched it later on. But I, I'm thinking that's when they, get, they got it kind of back down to 15 uh, and such. But, I mean... I mean, what I'll say is AJ uh, carried himself well in the minutes he got yeah. today. You know, that's what I'll say. You know, I and, mean, there's a natural. I think until you have Bogey back, uh, a, a natural patch of things would be to use Justin a little bit more as a three with the starting type groups, and then you know you could use. AJ with DeAndre Hunter at the four some and, and, you know, get some lineups that work better with a Kong Wu and DeJounte and get you a little bit better spacing. But then again, you know, that leaves you with this problem of how do you make AJ fit? And it just, until bogey gets back, this just seems like a roster. That's a bad fit for Jalen overall. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. It's, I, you know, 
I, 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 I'm hoping they stick with Jalen because Jalen deserves 20 games in my mind yeah. just to, to show what he can do. I, I think when Aaron's not making an impact and being forceful on defense, that might be the time. Okay, we're going to swing towards AJ now. You know, it's a little bit yeah. hard without bogey because you need Aaron's ball handling. You know, AJ's not a ball handler right now for sure. Right. You know, but um, Jalen is. Time... Correct. Yeah, I, I agree. You know, we'll we'll see if if teams start attacking that if that's going to be a primary thing he does. But well, right. I mean, I think it's worth trying. But I think I think fans who are like, oh, Aaron sucks. You know, I'm telling you that second unit, the blueprint is Dejounte, who's supposed to be there with that unit. Aaron, Justin, Jalen, turning that team over, getting out in transit. That's the blueprint for right. that. And Aaron player. is good for that because very good. Honestly, DeJounte's strength is off the ball. Like if he's Absolutely. jumping passing lanes, that's you don't want DeJounte on the ball in an ideal situation if you're trying to turn people over. What you want is Aaron annoying the heck out of somebody and then forcing a pass that's kind of half hearted and DeJounte pouncing on it. That that's 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 the way you want to get it to work. So so yeah. Aaron has value in that role. I agree. And then to to kind of to maybe defend Nate a little bit today, AJ probably is the play when you're trying to come from behind to put right. more three point shooting on the court, right. right? Which was the move today. And um but I, I still think for me, especially since they're playing Detroit, you know, for two games, they want to kind of get this leveled out. Let that second unit embrace an identity about disruptive defense and getting out and get easy points that should be enough to kind of thread the tree the train the not the non-train minutes to the tray minutes and i think that formula is the right thing to stick with right now now five games from now ten games from now if that unit's not executing to the point where that's what they're producing then maybe you know rethink okay what kind of tweak might be needed but i, I as a coach i would not be ready to move away at all yeah from the blueprint i need more shooting Eric comes sit down, or Justin comes sit down, depending on which way what the matchup is. You know, if you if you, if you need a point guard defender, Aaron's your guy. If it's Paul George, you might want to throw Justin out there. So that sort of thing. Um, but let let that second unit. I mean, continue to kind of embrace that identity, and it fits Dejounte very well. I think, you know, and a Congo's speed in the open court uh, fits too with like turn them over, switch ends of the court, go. I mean, again, they 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 uh, created fifty four points in transition in the first two games, only seven today, and Charlotte didn't have much ball handling. So that's a massive failure <laughs> in this loss to Charlotte. So not turning them over is a massive failure um, yeah. today. It happens. So yeah, and they know. they had a lot of near, you know, they had a lot of deflection, loose ball. Charlotte gets a bad kind of play. So you just, at the, I mean, it wasn't for a lack of hustle. Like bodies were on the floor. Charlotte got the ball. Like. It happens. Yeah. Uh, bad and news we, on the bogey front, uh, since no. we were just kind of mentioning it. Like yesterday, Nate said that, you know, still just bogeys uh, relegated to just shooting. So with like no fixed timeline, no Ooh. ramping up yet. Still just, just shooting. Uh, yeah. yeah, who knows? But, but, uh, I was speculating there. Yeah. Just, um, you know, what I, that doesn't mean it's a setback. That's just, you know, that the step forward has not happened. Yeah. That, that's, that's, that's concerning, but all teams have injury situations they have to navigate and manage through, right? That's just kind of kind of a thing, um, you know. So let's kind of kind of see how how they deal with that. Um, but get, it's good to know, you know. But that that may push them back towards AJ in some cases, where they need some more spacing, or they need to play from behind, you know. So yeah, yeah, we'll see. So yeah, two, two games in Detroit. 
um, Detroit, a really athletic young group, and you know they're gonna want to push the pace. Jaden Ivy is, you know, a lot of people compare him to John Morant, and Cade is slick. Um, you know, but they're young. They're very young. Um, but they're kind of a, a pretty capable young group. So I think the thing for me is Hawks better be serious about this opponent from the tip, you know, and um, they they need these wins, you know, because they're about to hit a rough, a, a challenging stretch after that. So, um, but these these should be two kind of games that they should be able to kind of be the aggressor and be the the team that's more capable of sustaining good play. Um but they'll have to take it to the Pistons or the the Pistons are the kind of a young plucky team that will take it to them like Charlotte did today. So we'll give us a chance to kind of see how this team responds. And I think that's always an interesting thing to to observe. Yep. Interesting schedule. It's uh two days off, then Wednesday in Detroit, Friday again in Detroit. Then you hop to a Saturday back-to-back in Milwaukee, which is kind of a punch in the face. Uh, you're tired, you're sore. Here comes Giannis. Good luck. Yeah, I, I, you can't be too <laughs> mad getting your two Detroit games out of the way in October other than December or January, though. Yeah. That's, Very good. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to do this, and I will catch up again with you soon. That's good. Thanks, Kevin. Yep. Thanks, Glenn. It seemed like last night in the first half, Wendell Carter was getting a lot of plays where he would set two picks, like he set one out on the perimeter, and then when the action took place and the ball handler got in the paint, he was kind of chipping off on a second guy. What do you do to counteract that second pick down in the paint? Like we got to fight over that. That's a that's a that's a set play. Uh, you know, they Boston was one of the teams that started that type of seal in the paint on the pick and roll. Yeah. Uh, to give the guard room to drive to the basket. I thought we laid on the screen and didn't fight over uh, to get in front of that guy or get around the big uh, to cover the ball, to help cover the ball. You know, so that was part of the cleanup uh, that we talked about uh, and we showed those guys today. But that's that's a new play. These big centers. Are rolling to the basket. Uh, they do a good job of sealing their man and basically keeping, giving a driving lane for the guard. Trey didn't shoot the ball particularly well in the first half. Then in the second half, it seemed like Clint played a little bit more with him. Do you use Clint a little bit extra in those situations with Trey just because they have a comfort level from playing together a couple years? Yeah, they've they've been good together. Uh, you know, since since I've been here. Uh, so we certainly want to get that combination uh, together as much as possible. Uh, and last night, uh, we changed up the rotation just a little bit so that we could get the two of them playing more minutes together. Is there any update on Bogey? No. No, he's still rehabbing and he's still just uh, shooting on his own.